Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy Thursday. A busy news day. It has been just a little bit ago. Prosecutors announced in New Mexico that they are going to file criminal charges, involuntary manslaughter charges against Alec Baldwin in that fatal shooting on a movie set a little over a year ago. That is a big moment in that case. A lot of people have been waiting for that decision one way or the other. It just came out. You can get the very latest on Just the News. Now, we've got a really great show for you. Three extraordinary guests back-to-back. Remember, today is Thursday, so it is AMAC Thursday. Our good friends at the Association of Mature American Citizens are going to be joining us. Andy Mangione is going to be in the middle of the show. We're going to talk about some of the big new legislative efforts that AMAC Action is pushing on, including one involving children born alive after botched abortions. That legislation has been working its way through the House. That's an important one. And a new bill on border security that is likely to garner some bipartisan support, something that doesn't happen very often in Washington. Andy Mangione, vice president for AMAC Action, is going to be with us in the middle of the show. We're going to start off the interview today with a really extraordinary interview with one of the chief officers of the Fraternal Order of Police, one of the most important police unions in America. Joe Gamaldi's here. He's got some words for Joe Biden about some comments he made in a speech about police recently, as well as all those mayors and district attorneys whose woke policies have unleashed a torrent of crime on America's cities and a lot more. Joe Gamaldi, always a fun interview, full of statistics and information. I love that. And then we're going to wrap up the show with one of our good friends, one of the clearest thinkers in the national security political ethics space. Cash Patel's in the house. He's going to talk to us today about all of the intelligence community bureaucrats who have moved over to a big tech and gotten into positions around censorship. That's an important dynamic. A lot of people have been focused on. And of course, a lot of great conversation also about the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden nexus as it relates to the classified documents. Hunter Biden 
was using that Delaware home regularly to be his own home. And that's where some of those classified documents were. And at the time, Hunter Biden was using that home. He was deeply involved in some of those China and foreign business dealings. That nexus, I'm sure Cash Patel has something really important to say about. So we'll have that today. What a great show. Back to back to back. The National Fraternal Order of Police Vice President Joe Gamaldi, followed by Andy Mangione from our good friends at AMAC. And we'll wrap up with Cash Patel on all things scandal, because Cash Patel is always on top of all of those. That's our show today. You won't want to miss it. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll start with Joe Gamaldi from the National Fraternal Order of Police. Right after these commercial messages from our great advertisers, sponsors, and partners. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit, and it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. I know you scratch your head a lot when you see what some of these big cities are doing to either handcuff their own police officers from being able to keep us all safe or change policies so that prosecutors don't really have to punish people for heinous crimes that they're committing. Right here in the city I live in, Washington, D.C., and work, the D.C. City Council is overriding the mayor's veto so that they can lessen the penalty for carjacking, one of the most common and most violent crimes in the District of Columbia. I know you're all scratching your head saying why. Well, our next guest gets it right every time. He has such an extraordinary view on what is right and wrong in these big cities and also what the great men and women of blue need to do their jobs right. He is the National Vice President for the Fraternal Order of Police. He is Joe Gamaldi, and he joins us right now. Joe, great to have you back on the show. 
Oh, John, thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm kind of nervous. I can't live up to it now, but uh, thank you for having me on. You're going to blow it away. You always do. Let's start with something that I think a lot of people don't know about because the mainstream media really doesn't report on these. But we had these statistics up a couple of days ago. The war on cops continues. You had 331 police officers shot. That's about a 13% increase since 2019. But the growth in ambush attacks is extraordinary concerning. I mean, people laying in wait just for the purpose of shooting or harming a law enforcement officer. What's going on there? Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible. I mean, the war on cops in this country just continued to march on in 2022 with no sign of slowing down. As you mentioned, we had 331 police officers shot. We had 64 die by that com- uh, by that gunfire. We had nearly 90 ambush attacks. Now, this is coming off 2021, which was the deadliest year for law enforcement in intentional homicides in over 20 years. I mean, it, it is just insane right now. And when you speak to just rank and file officers on the street, including myself, I still ride night shift in the inner city of Houston. We are going to work every day with targets on our backs. And the reason this is happening, and it, you know, it's no real surprise to anybody. We have a culture of lawlessness in this country, and, it, and it's, it's obvious to look at the statistics. We had over 20,000 homicides in this country in both 2021 and 2022. We haven't seen those numbers since the mid-1990s. And yet, crime is through the roof. We've allowed a revolving door criminal justice system to just let criminals out over and over again. And frankly, for the better part of a decade, people have treated police officers like crap in this country. We've had politicians, activists, basically what I like to call grifters who have just found that this can be profitable to crap all over the brave men and women of law enforcement in this country. They've demonized us, they've delegitimized us, and as a result, we're seeing these increase in violence against us, and it's consistent with where it started a few years ago, and now we're just seeing record numbers of officers shot. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt there is. You can track the growth of the rhetoric of anti-police rhetoric with the growth of crime almost perfectly on a bar graph. It's unbelievable. President Joe Biden over the years hasn't always been the most helpful, certainly in recent years. I think back in the 90s, he was probably much more appreciated by police. But his rhetoric continues to befound us. I know a couple of years ago, he did the shoot him in the leg thing. But he recently asked aloud why police always shoot with deadly force, completely misunderstanding the entire dynamic. But how hurtful or unhelpful is it when the president, the leader of the free world, has language like that? You know, it's kind of interesting, the evolution of, of President Biden on, on the issue of law enforcement, because he used to be a friend to law enforcement, he used to support law enforcement and, and had a good relationship. Now, that has evolved over time with, you know, basically the changing sentiment of some people within his own party and within the country. And now he no longer, you know, has that boisterous support for law enforcement. And his most recent comments are not helpful. It's just inflammatory rhetoric set to get an emotional response from the audience that is not based in fact. You know, we know that officers use, you know, force to stop a threat. We're not out here purposely trying to use deadly force every single time, as he put it in that speech. And it is extremely harmful to us. It erodes the trust that we're trying to build with our communities when you make comments like that. And here's another thing, John, that really upsets every single police officer in this country, is that what we're really asking the president to do 
is how about you condemn the violence against law enforcement, the historic violence we're seeing? How about you just put out a statement saying it's wrong to shoot at police officers, it's wrong to assault police officers? It is an extremely low bar to just ask to put out a statement condemning historic violence against law enforcement, and the White House just refuses to do it. There is an ongoing story down by Atlanta where a police facility site is proposed in. There was a Georgia trooper shot. Fortunately, he's in stable condition right now. But those who are perpetrating the protests at that site now are calling for a night of violence against police officers. Has to be pretty troubling to see something like that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, John. You'll you'll hear academics and and politicians who, who, by the way, uh, safely sit their asses behind desks and don't put themselves on the line, telling people there's no war on cops in this country. You know, there's no real violence against police officers. You know, it's not as bad as these police officers are making it out to be. I mean, my God, these Georgia state troopers go in to break up this autonomous zone of these Antifa terrorists. One of them is shot. They return fire. And now these Antifa terrorists are calling for a night of violence to rage on police officers. I mean, the war on cops is out in the open for everyone to see. Anyone denying this is just they're they're doing themselves a disservice. They're doing the public a disservice. But it's very much it's very clear what what these people's intentions are. And we have to make sure that we clear out this zone. Everyone needs to be prosecuted that was involved. We need to take off the velvet gloves and treat criminals for what they are. We have to restore the rule of law in this country because otherwise we don't have a society. Yeah, and there's no doubt in that case, based on the early evidence, that the police officers were shot before they opened fire. So the violence was clearly perpetrated by the civilian protesters who were there. It's really a pretty scary moment. As you look out over the horizon, there are a lot of different dynamics underway. One of them, I think, that gets a lot of people attention is Congress had a chance for the last four or five years to do something. Obviously, with Democrats in control, they had little to do. You've got some efforts to hold Congress accountable, to put some pressure, to try to get the conversation where it needs to be in Congress, where it used to be in Congress when I first came to this town. How important is that sort of campaign and initiative to get Congress to focus on backing the blue? Well, I think it's extremely important because, you know, these are the supposed leaders of our country. And, you know, there, there is a law right now, you know, there's a bill that could be passed right now that could assist to help with the violence against law enforcement in this country. It's called the Protect and Serve Act. It would make it a federal crime to knowingly assault a police officer in this country. And the reason why that needs to be presented is, is because, John, you're, you're, you know, you're not a stranger to this. We have these, you know, rogue DAs and activist judges across the country who continue to dismiss cases. They don't take assaults on police officers seriously. So it would take it out of their hands and make sure that people who are shooting police officers are getting federal prison time for this. Now, it, it, obviously, it wasn't passed in the last Congress, and I'm interested to see what actions Republicans take on this bill, because after all, they ran on a platform of law and order and supporting police officers. So, you know, we appreciate that support, but now we want to see some action, too. And it's such an important one. I think that's February 6, 7, 8, that law enforcement from all over the country are going to come to the Capitol to have their voices heard. That's going to be a really important moment in the city's political year this year. We'll be watching that closely here, just the news. Over in L.A., the police chief made a controversial decision. He took down a thin blue line flag at one of the police precincts because someone complained that it was extremists in viewpoint or 
promoted extremism. The chief said he didn't agree with that, but he took it down anyways. What message does it say when you capitulate to someone whose complaint doesn't have merit? Because that's what the police said. It didn't have merit, but I'm taking it down anyways. Yeah, well, you know, let, let me give a, a big congratulations to the, uh, you know, the chief at LAPD because you got clowns and you basically, you know, screwed your own officers and saying, I don't really support you. Because, listen, the, the thin blue line flag is a symbol for law enforcement, the sacrifices that our men and women have made. And it represents that line represents the difference between order and chaos in our society. And we are that thin blue line. And, you know, it's very important to us. Why you would remove it simply because one person said they had a problem with it or a few people said they had a problem with it. And, and here's the thing. You're just catering to an emotional argument. And, and, and here's the thing. Why stop there? If the next person says, I don't like the way the uniforms look, all right, let's make them purple. Or I don't like the way the cars look, let's paint them pink. Or I don't like the way this, stop caving to this woke, ridiculous nonsense and just grow a spine and tell people. And here's, honestly, there's an opportunity for a teachable moment. Sit down with the person, explain how important it is and why you're not going to make the change. Instead of just caving immediately, it's just showing police officers in the LAPD, we're not gonna back you. We won't even back a flag that one person had an issue with. You think they're gonna back their police officers when they, when they get involved in a use of force incident? It's just ridiculous. And you know, we really need leadership, strong leadership within the chief ranks of the police department. And it, we don't get that everywhere in this country. It is extraordinary to watch the capitulation in places where you would, would have never seen it five or 10 years ago. The LAPD episode, I think, there's a little story that spoke big volumes to people. One of the trend lines that we're seeing is really a refusal by prosecutors to prosecute or punish people to the standards that we have always had. So you look at Alvin Bragg in New York downgraded 52% of felonies to misdemeanors. Philadelphia has refused to prosecute a lot, had the second highest homicide total in its history. New York, where Bragg is, robberies up 27%, transit crimes up 28%. Austin, another place that seems to operate like Portland or Seattle, second highest number of homicides in six decades there. And Chicago uh, has a car theft problem, 99% increase year over year. When do voters let the district attorneys and prosecutors know that their policies have failed and they are fired? You know, I don't know. We, we are seeing uh, a slight awakening in the public. We've seen some recall efforts in, in San Francisco. We've seen them in LA. Uh, we've seen a, um, you know, the legislature in Philadelphia taking action against Larry Krasner. So people are certainly starting to really take notice. But what I would encourage your listeners to do, I, I think we get so caught up in this country about the national political scene, and it, and it is important. But locally is where there is the biggest impact in your everyday life. And you have to be paying attention to your local judge races, your local DA races, your local city council races, because they're setting these policies that are causing these problems. I mean, my goodness, John, in New York alone, They've seen 69% of criminal cases thrown out. They just won't even prosecute them. Nearly 82% of misdemeanors. I mean, it's just a complete revolving door and it's fueling this complete degradation of, of our urban communities. I mean, we have lost our urban communities for a generation and nobody seems to be talking about it. Violent crime is through the roof in every major urban community. On the west side of Chicago, John, the murder rate is so high that it rivals the most violent 
city in the world, Tijuana, Mexico. You are almost as likely to be murdered on the west side of Chicago as you are as if you went to Tijuana. It is insane that that is happening in the United States today. And yet at the same time, the Illinois legislature is passing more revolving door criminal justice policy. This is insanity. In DC, you talked about it earlier, crime is through the roof and they're attempting to pass even, even less strict laws. I mean, this goes against all logic. It makes no sense whatsoever. You, you know, I mean, it, it's literally like your house is on fire, so let's pour gasoline on it. Exactly. Literally, that is the double-down mentality of some of these cities. Now, we're seeing an interesting pushback in Chicago where Mayor Lightfoot, who's been one of those on the forefront of lessening criminal penalties and excusing bad behavior, she's way down in the polls. Could that send a shockwave? Could that be the shot heard around the country that maybe wakes up other mayors and district attorneys that their careers may be over if they keep on this path? Well, I think that's the only thing that's going to wake them up because they don't seem to care about the suffering of the people in their community. Uh, you know, our, our urban communities, as I've talked about, our violence is, is through the roof. We are seeing specifically in our black communities where the homicide rate is 12 times that of any other race in this country right now. And we don't hear any mayors in urban communities talking about that. We, we don't hear them talking about how we are creating food deserts because stores are closing. We're creating financial deserts because banks refuse to do business in the neighborhoods because they're so violent. We don't talk about how they're destroying tax bases as businesses move to other states that actually enforce the law, which has been beneficial for places like Florida and Texas because people are moving here in droves. But the point I'm making is they don't seem to give a damn about the people in their community. So maybe they'll start caring when their jobs are on the line. It shouldn't take that, but maybe just maybe that's the impetus for some change. Yeah, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take voters standing up saying, enough is enough. We're done with this. You're fired. And that's usually the way that change begins. Before we go, you have an extraordinary podcast the FOP has out there called The Blue View. How do people get that? And what's the goal of that podcast? It's such a great listen. Yeah, it's available on all your platforms, you know, wherever you were listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, every, every, we're, we're everywhere. You know, it, it's just an opportunity uh, for us to interview, you know, whether it's politicians or influential people within the law enforcement field, get their perspective and kind of have that long form conversation about our profession, where our country's going, instead of just, you know, sometimes we get on the news and we only get those, you know, two, four minute sound bites. It's really an opportunity to just dig a little bit deeper and hopefully make that connection with the community, make you understand what we're going through uh, on the streets, uh, but also getting, you know, politicians perspective on our profession and where we're going. Yeah, such an important thing. One side has dominated the media for so long that that's how a lot of these narratives have gotten skewed. And what the Fraternal Order of Police has done so well is to inject that voice of common sense, to inject the voice of the men and women of blue and really balance the debate in America. And I think that podcast, along with all the other great work you do, Joe, has really helped educate Americans because for a long time they were just getting bombarded by one narrative by one political viewpoint and balancing that has been such an amazing accomplishment of the FOP. Joe, for people who want to follow or do things with FOP or support them, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at uh, GLFOP. You can get us on Instagram at National FOP. Uh, find us on Facebook, just search FOP. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Gamaldi on Instagram at Joe Gamaldi. Same on Facebook. You know, share our stuff, engage with us. We're really putting out great information. And, and John, I certainly appreciate those kind words. We're proud 
to be the voice of law enforcement in this country. We're proud to put up an opposing viewpoint to all the woke nonsense that's been spewed towards us for so many years. Um, we're proud to support our profession and we're proud to defend it. And we're going to continue to do that. Yeah, it's such an important thing. As you know, I grew up in a family of blue, my dad, my brother, so many of my relatives in law enforcement. And it is a great honor when you're alongside someone that isn't afraid to speak up and make a difference and stand up for the men and women of blue. So, Joe, a great honor. We'll be sure to get you back on. I don't think 2023 is going to be a quiet year for law enforcement. So we're eager to get you back on. But thanks for the time today. Really great conversation. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate you having me on. Great to talk to you. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, AMAC Thursday, our good friend Andy Mangione to talk about some of the new legislation on Capitol Hill that's going to have an impact on Americans' lives and where AMAC is going to put its political muscle right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. You know what day it is. It's Thursday, which means it's AMAC Thursday, one of my favorite moments of the week. We get a really smart update on what's going on in the world and also how you can make a difference in your own country, in Washington, in your own state house. Why? Because AMAC has an extraordinary grassroots army through the AMAC Action Arm. And joining us right now is our 
incredibly good friend and always brings some big news with us, the vice president of AMAC Action, Andy Mangione. Andy, great to have you back on. Hey, thank you so much, John. Glad to be here. So you have an exciting thing coming up. And I like this because a lot of people think, well, can I really make a difference? I'm just one person in the country and Washington feels too big for me to even to bother to take on. But every year, AMAC Action puts this army into work and it actually creates a difference. It actually gets the attention of lawmakers. Your annual report's coming out on AMAC Action. Tell us a little bit about how you move the needle, how you made a difference, whether in the U.S. Capitol or state house capitals around the country. Thank you, John. I'm happy to do that. Uh, first of all, I want to start off by saying that we are a member-driven organization. Our members guide us in every aspect, uh, particularly in our advocacy. So uh, they are the ones who put the issues uh, that are important to them into our issues in our legislative portfolio. So that said, it was a busy 2022. Uh, we conducted over 65 call to action campaigns. So we involved our members <laughs> uh, on, on many, many issues last year. And collectively, our members and friends left more than 300,000 messages, comments, and phone calls for federal legislators, for state, for state legislators, for corporate executives. Uh, they, they weighed in with comments on the FTC website, HHS website. Uh, so it, 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 they were involved in many, many aspects of policy. And I just wanted to underscore the importance of citizen advocacy. Their voice was definitely heard. Yeah, that that's really what's amazing about it. And by the way, 300,000 calls. I've been in this town a long time. That's an avalanche of contact when that level of engagement occurs. Now, you've had big impact at both the national and state level winning various battles. One of my favorite ones was the battle over what was being portrayed as a voter rights bill in New Mexico. It really wasn't. Actually, it was bad for voter rights. But tell us a little bit about how you changed the outcome of New Mexico elections with that campaign. Well, you know, it was early in uh, 2022 when we discovered that uh, in a in a short session of the legislature, funny how that works out, New Mexico was trying to pass some uh, really really stinky uh, what they called voter rights bills. You know, one of the one of the uh, proponents or provisions to the bill would have allowed felons to vote before they finish parole. One of the uh, provisions would have would have automatically registered people when they come in contact with a state agency, whether they knew it or not. But it's voters' right, right? You know, it's voters' rights. You know, right, John? So, um, and, and it was a short. Uh, it was a budgetary legislative session. All right. So, uh, our, we activated the membership in New Mexico, and they sent just under fourteen thousand messages to the state senate demanding that they oppose this this legislation and let me tell you how this worked out their opposition stopped the bill not only in the regular budgetary session but there was a subsequent special session and the bill didn't even come up so we really spooked the legislature there and we won Boy, that's impressive. And that's important, too, because once these things get into law, getting them back out is so impossible unless you have a, you know, a lucky litigation strategy that can win. You also had some real success in getting hospital price transparent, which is really important to keeping costs down for people, particularly those on a fixed income. You drove some legislation in Colorado, right, to get hospital price transparency for the great citizens of Colorado? Absolutely. We could not have done this without our Colorado AMAC members. They sent their state legislature over 930 messages telling it to support House Bill 1285. This bill would not allow a hospital to pursue medical debt from patients 
if that hospital was not first in compliance with federal hospital price transparency laws. This is accountability. Uh, and this is, I, I mean, we shop for many, many things in our lives. Would you buy a car without knowing the price? Would you buy a major appliance without buying the price? Or without knowing the price, I should say. You, you wouldn't. None of us would make capital purchases without knowing what the cost is. It should be the same in healthcare. So this was holding uh, hospitals in Colorado to federal hospital price transparency laws. This bill passed. And in <laughs> due in part to AMAC support, uh, the bill was signed into law by Governor Jared Polis. So it was a big victory for our members over in Colorado. Absolutely. And it creates a model for what we need all across this country. We talk about health care reform and trying to help people keep costs of medicine and hospitalization down. There's nothing like price transparency to create that sort of improvement that we're all looking for. I had a fun one in Indiana because you had a Republican Indiana governor who vetoed a Republican legislature's law that was supposed to keep biological boys off of girls' sports teams and out of the restrooms, out of locker rooms. You had a really significant victory there getting Indiana state legislators to override the governor's veto, right? We sure did. Uh, this happened back in May. Uh, our members contacted their state legislature with over 1,400 messages, and they were instructing it to override Governor Holcomb's veto of a bill that would prevent biological boys from not only participating in girls' sports, but also work to keep them out of girls' locker rooms and restrooms in public schools. And this, it was a pressure campaign, John, and it worked. Uh, the Indiana state legislature successfully overrode the veto. So big victory for our members in the Hoosier state. Yeah, that, that was a very important one. I remember one that people were talking about because it, it was an unexpected veto at the beginning and the override became such an important part of the narrative that parents and grandparents do have a say over their children and a really major victory. Now, you don't always focus just on legislatures and regulatory agencies. Sometimes you focus on companies when they get out of line or they stray from their core mission of providing the products and services. I think Disney heard a lot from AMAC members in 2022, didn't they? They sure did, John. And we, we, we uh, dipped this hoe in the water for corporate advocacy. We had not done this before. But uh, when Disney was making a big stink and taking on uh, Governor DeSantis down in Florida about his parental rights legislation, uh, and they were shoving their woke policies down everybody's throats. Our members were upset. Now, if if you recognize, I mean, who's paying the freight to take the kids to <laughs> to Disney World? Okay, it's usually parents and grandparents. All right, it's not free, and the price keeps going up. Our members were very upset with these woke policies, so we thought we would uh, give them a platform to voice their opposition to these policies. They were. Responded, John. They sent over 104,000 emails. They made 30, over 3,500 telephone calls. All right, to Disney executives and board members, telling them exactly what they thought about these woke policies. And it's interesting to note, John, that two weeks after we launched this campaign, Disney fired its head of corporate affairs, and then and they fired their CEO later in 2022. And we'd like to think that AMAC members had a had something to do with that. I'm going to guess 145,000 messages are going to get a lot of people's attention and 3,500 phone calls. That is a big knock at the front door of a major corporation. And it's a reminder of just how powerful the grassroots can be. And I preach this a lot as a reporter because I see it. I see too many times organizations or individuals thinking, you know, what? we're just not big enough to make a difference. Grassroots really does move and force change. 
when you begin to get AMAC members into AMAC action, what sort of training, what sort of advice do you give them to get them ready to do the sort of things that had the impact you did in 2022? Well, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's wonderful. You know, we have uh, over 341,000 you know, it's, it's like 341,600 AMAC members and friends that have left nearly 1.2 million messages, comments, and phone calls uh, since we started doing the advocacy campaigns with the software that we engaged in three years ago. And we think that, you know, it, it, it comes down to clearly explaining what the issue is. It comes down to clearly articulating uh, what the campaign is all about and why it's important. And our members are smart, John. They're extremely intelligent. And we are so very blessed that they're politically engaged. And it's almost become a habit for them to receive an email from us, encouraging them to reach out to their state or their federal legislator or leave a comment on the FTC website or HHS or whatever. But um, I, we think that uh, we're, we're very blessed to be working with such an engaged membership, and they're not happy. And one of the one of the tenants, one of the reasons Dan Weber founded AMAC was he felt that the voice of conservatives was underrepresented. We're giving conservatives that voice. We facilitate this, but make no mistake, our members do all of the heavy lifting. And it's something that, you know, citizen advocacy is what it's all about. And they see the results that they themselves have generated, and it inspires them, and it uh, encourages them to participate in future campaigns. So we're, we're very blessed with the situation that we have here at AMAC. It is an amazing thing to watch as a reporter. And, and, you know, we look out and we try to gauge, is a campaign going to be real? Is it going to have impact? And when you see AMAC get involved, you know something serious is going to happen. It's going to outcome. It is one of the most effective grassroots lobbies in Washington and in the state houses around this country. A new year has begun. Congress is creaking to action. There's a split Congress for the first time in a while. So we have that. And already AMAC has kicked into action. I've noticed a couple of big legislative actions that AMAC has gotten into. Let's start with the Bill to protect children born alive after surviving abortion. That is a big issue. Republicans approved it. Nearly every Democrat voted against it. AMAC got behind this legislation. Describe why and the impact that AMAC is having in that debate. Well, the bill you're referring to uh, is uh, on the uh, Ann Wagner's bill. She's out of the second congressional district of Missouri. And uh, the bill itself uh, protects the rights, of, you know, of a uh, of a baby who was born after surviving an abortion. Now, this aligns with AMAC's support and love for the sanctity of life from conception uh, through, natural, through natural death. So it was really a no-brainer for us to support. And we've supported legislation like this before in the past. And what the bill does, it, first of all, it recognizes the right to life that each child has. Okay, uh, and, they, it, it's, and this is codified in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, it defines uh, what a child born alive is, and unfortunately, we need that description. It directs life-saving measures to ensure the baby's survival. And importantly, John, it penalizes those who would ignore the law. This bill aligns with uh, AMAC's uh, respect for life and our members' respect for life. And we were thrilled that uh, we supported it and it passed the House. And 210 Democrats there was one Democrat that voted for it, one Democrat voted present, and the rest of them uh, voted against it. And that is a really sad state of affairs. I'm not, you know, th there's, there's nothing good about uh, voting against life, you know, and uh, it's something that 
uh, we were continue to fight. We're going to continue to fight for the unborn. We're going to continue to fight uh, for uh, uh, for it, for the right to life. And uh, so that when this bill came up, you know, we had we had supported legislation like this in the past. We jumped all over it, and we were happy to see that it passed through the House. And we're going to continue to look for bills like these to continue to stand up for life. Yeah. And, you know, people say, well, this bill is trying to take care of a hypothetical situation. It's not. Last year, Justin News was able to get under FOIA a Minnesota report that actually identified just in one year, five children were born alive after failed abortions, and none of them got any life-saving support. So they were allowed to die on the table. Just think about that for a second, what occurred. So it isn't just a hypothetical protection. It's actually occurring in real places around this country. Minnesota, one of the few places that actually reports the statistic. But a real reminder of that. Another one that you guys have jumped into action on that I think a lot of people are going to be watching very closely. And I think it's one of the epic battles of 2023, Homeland Security and securing that border. We've had an administration that hasn't been too interested in securing it. Republicans have begun the process. AMAC Army is already behind that legislation. Tell us why it's important and what the bill would do. Well, this is uh, Chip Roy's bill, and no surprise, he's from the 21st Congressional District of Texas, okay? And you can imagine uh, Texas' experience with the influx of border crossings in their state. The bill protects our national sovereignty. And uh, it, it, it was, again, you know, yeah, we're going to support this. It's going to protect our national sovereignty from the influx of illegal aliens at our southern border. And what the bill does, it does a couple of things. First, it grants the Secretary of Homeland Security uh, a wide latitude to prohibit the entry uh, of illegal aliens. Okay, it requires their removal. And uh, importantly, and I like this, it holds them accountable. So what it does, it allows uh, sovereign states to bring legal action should should the Secretary of Homeland Security refuse to follow the law. So it grants, it's like, okay, Mr. Secretary, here's all everything you need to protect the border. Now we're going to hold you accountable to doing your job. Uh, and it's, it, it was well written. And again, you know, our, our you know, uh, border security is a huge issue for AMAC members. We know because we talk to them and they tell us. And this this issue has been in our portfolio. And it's, it was it was a great, you know, these two bills that we just talked about, John, were a great way to start off the 118th Congress. Very strong start in our opinion. Oh, yeah. These are important things. And, and they have wide appeal, too. They're not narrow bills, right? And the majority of Americans both look at them and say, all right, yes, I definitely want to see action on this. And in fact, why hasn't there been action? And so getting AMAC behind it now is only going to give both of those pieces of legislation a lot of momentum. Anything else, Andy, that you guys are looking out over the horizon on when people, when Congress gets back, what are some of the other issues that you guys will be looking at and maybe activating that incredible army of citizen soldiers? Well, you know, we are very optimistic. We have to be optimistic, okay? Um, because, you know, we read the comments on our website from articles that we post. We poll our members on a weekly basis. You know, we know that um, uh, there's a lot of cynicism out there, but we, we're looking at, you mentioned earlier, divided Congress, and we see opportunity in that, okay? We see Joe Manchin wanting to talk with uh, Republicans about uh, Social Security and, uh, and its insolvency, all right, and the looming insolvency of the trust fund. This is a huge issue. Again, one of our, one of the signature issues upon which AMAC was founded was to secure this uh, benefit 
that so many people have paid into, the promise that's been made to uh, generations of Americans, and it has to be kept. So, you know, we see that. I mean, we were very pleased to see that there's some discussion. All right. Now, we want to steer that direction, the direction of that discussion. We want to uh, propose our Social Security guarantee, which makes Social Security solvent for decades without raising taxes. It provides an increase in benefits every year. It guarantees it, hence the name. All right. And it, it's, uh, it's something that we've done a deep dive on. Uh, we're going to continue to increase the narrative on the insolvency of the, uh, of, the, of the trust fund, knowing that, you know, when the trust fund goes, John, um, there's going to be an automatic 20 to 25 percent across the board cut in benefits. And there's no law that's going to prevent that. All right. This is what happens because the program will revert to a cash in cash out basis. And we don't have the workers right now to support everybody that's collecting benefits. This is not a tax issue. All right. This is an insolvency issue that can be resolved without raising taxes. So we see opportunity. And I mean, uh, this, uh, I, I read about Manchin's, uh, de, you know, desire to talk about Social Security uh, yesterday in a tweet. So, so it's very encouraging. So we see that on the horizon. But that it's, we've always talked about Social Security. But you know, when Democrats are controlling both houses and they have the White House, uh, you can talk all you want. Very little is going to get done. But we see the opportunity with the Republicans in the House of Representatives. We're seeing, you know, those these, you know, in. in <laughs> Manchin is up for uh, re-election in 2024. Maybe he wants to retire and leave a legacy. Who knows? Okay, but if we can get our our initiatives accomplished, if we can uh, uh, get Congress to recognize and to understand that the, you know we can't kick this can down the road, uh, they used to say, "Hey, we've got 20 years," but guess what? Now we have 10. That was a quick 10 years. You know how fast time goes. The sooner they address this, the better. So, uh, so that was a uh, we we were all very pleased to see that communication. Uh, we're going to follow up on it in Washington too. So, you know, there's, there's plenty. Uh, and and again, you know, when uh, uh, when people hear uh, when a, a sitting member of Congress gets 400 emails in one day, uh, that staffer has to answer every single one of them. And 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 I had a member of Congress tell me, "You want to get my attention? Call my office. Blitz my office with calls." So we, of course, made note of that, and we've been doing that. So I mean, there's, there's, you know, you know, we we want to, um, in in an ideal situation, that'll probably never happen. We wouldn't have to do a single call to action, okay? But you know, I'm not living in a fantasy land either, uh, you know. And and it's not as if like, while we did 65 calls to action last year, how many are we going to do this year? We're going to do as many as we have to. All right. And it would be nice if at the end of the you know, beginning of next year, I sit with you and said we only had to do 20. But here's the legislation and the policy that we affected. You know, so, um, you know, Social Security, we think is going to be a, a, a big topic. And it's something that we're definitely going to follow up on, as we have been for years. And we're going to continue to warn Congress about the looming insolvency of the trust fund, continue to push our solution. We're not just we're not. Like other groups, John, we don't walk in there and pound our fist on the table and say, fix Social Security. And the member of Congress says, OK, what do you have in mind? And we say, that's your job. We walk in with a solution that we think is palatable, that we think, won't, you know, that we know will not increase taxes, that we know will uh, guarantee an increase for every beneficiary, uh, that we know is, is very viable. And we're going to continue to articulate that. And, uh, and we're not, we'll be undaunted. We don't care 
uh, about the demonization for even broaching the subject. We don't care because we're past that. It's time to address the solvency of Social Security, and we think we may have a pretty decent shot at it this Congress. That would be an extraordinary achievement because the can has been kicked down the road so many times it's all dented up. I mean, it just it's been so remarkable how many Congresses in a row, people have failed to take the sort of action that, that Americans are demanding. And we're getting closer and closer to that that judgment day that we, we want to avoid that if we can. So that's going to be important stuff. Andy, how do people get involved? You guys have done something very special for us by setting up a very special URL to get an AMAC membership. I've got the five-year membership. I love it. It pays for itself in its first week in my mind. AMAC.us slash Just News is how you can sign up for membership. Once you're a member, how do people get involved in the action arm? How can they enroll and do all the fun things from election monitoring to calling their lawmakers? Well, AMAC Action's got a phone number if you I'll be happy to share it with you. And we also have an email address if you'd like. You know, if once, um, uh, once a uh, person joins AMAC, they're going to automatically receive our calls to action. Okay, that's going to happen. So the first thing that anyone can do is join us. Please join us. You uh, and, and, and you'll have access to all of our platforms to ensure that your voice is heard on the state and federal level and even on the local level. Uh, and if you wanted to take it a step further and become an AMAC Action Delegate or an AMAC Action uh, Start a Chapter, uh, you know, these are all volunteer positions. We'll show you how to do that. And you, you would call 855 809 6976, and that number will take you to uh, our Florida Advocacy Headquarters, and uh, you'll be engaged with our advocacy consultants, and they'll, they'll hold your hand and show you exactly how to start a chapter and how to get involved uh, by uh, with feet on the street, in addition to the citizen advocacy of participating in our calls to action campaigns. Really remarkable. What a great opportunity, folks. You'll not only benefit from the membership where you get discounts and incredible political intelligence and a great podcast, all the amazing things that AMAC puts out every day. You get a chance to stand shoulder to shoulder with other citizens who care about their country like you do, and you get to make a difference like those anecdotes we just told you from Colorado to Washington and everywhere in between. So if you're inspired, go do it today, amac.us slash just news, amac, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash just news. That's how you get started. That's how I got started when I got my five-year membership. You should go and match me. It's a lot of fun. Andy, always an honor to have you on the show. We always learn so much. Congratulations on a very successful 2022. You, some of those anecdotes you told us of real success are very impressive. As a journalist looking at them, you don't see many organizations achieve what AMAC achieved in 2022. Pretty exciting times. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Great to have you on. All right, folks, don't touch that screen. We're going to be right back with our good friend, Cash Patel. He always lights it up. We're going to talk about the Joe Biden scandal. We're going to talk about censorship, big tech censorship, and the trend lines of intelligence community members going over into the big tech space. That is a troubling a lot of people. Cash Patel will give us some insight on that right after this commercial break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest, he really doesn't need any introduction. You know where he stands. You know what he stands for. And you know what he's accomplished in an extraordinary career that includes being the chief investigative counsel for the House Intelligence Committee when it unraveled the Russia collusion narrative. Of course, he's the author of two amazing children's books. He's got an adult book, not adult entertainment, but adult natured book on the future of the government gangsters. And of course, was a former federal prosecutor and federal public defender. He is a lifelong public servant and he is our good friend, Cash Patel. Cash, great to have you on the show today. Hey, John, thanks so much for having me back on. It is great. Listen, we when we don't have you on, we feel like it's boring. We have such a good time with you. I want to start with the Hunter Biden connection to the Joe Biden classified document scandal. It seems to me that where Congress is heading is not just, hey, Donald Trump and Joe Biden get treated differently by the Justice Department. That seems to be prima facie true when you look at it. But it's a window now back into the Hunter Biden foreign money operation he was running because the documents are at two locations where Hunter Biden has a role. The laptop memo show Hunter Biden was the guy courting University of Penn to get his father that job that he landed. And then for a period of 17, 18, and 19, it appears Hunter Biden is living at Joe Biden's home where the other set of classified documents were found. We found more than five dozen emails in which Hunter Biden clearly lists for a package, a legal document, a bank transaction, his father's home as his residence after his divorce. The fact that Hunter Biden was considered the home where those classified documents were found to be his home during a key part of his career where he's doing a lot of the China money stuff. How troubling is that for someone like you who has a national security background and a prosecutorial background? Yeah, I mean, for me, John, I think one of the most critical takeaways is that Biden is not necessarily the target or should not be the target in terms of what the Republicans are going after, what they should be going after, using it, as you said, to show the distinction in the two tier system of justice and more importantly, how we fix it. But me, from an intel standpoint, is more concerned with the content of the documents, because as it's been reported, and I, of course, have no access to the documents, but. Multiple classified documents at multiple locations have been in the wild for six years, have been handled by people without clearances. That's a that's a violation of the law and put in places that are not secure compartmented facilities. That's a violation of the law. But if that weren't bad enough, if these documents talk about China, Ukraine, Russia and Iran, that's some of our most sensitive intelligence collection reporting. And then you have to ask the question, why were those documents taken? Did Vice President Biden take them to uh you know, ensure and ensure the deals that his son had with the CCP and and affiliated companies were going through, so that he would get paid. Did he take them to prevent his son from ever being prosecuted with stuff related to Ukraine? And most importantly, do these enemies of ours now have leverage over our sitting commander in chief? That's the one that um, you know for me is the most important. Yeah, the over the barrel scenario, which Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley and before him whistleblowers and others 
clearly saw. Now I think America's waking up to it because the suppression operation has been lifted, at least at least Twitter, and of course Truth, which has created a great competition to Twitter and all the other channels and social media. As you look at this, one of the things that jumps out at me, the National Archives had no problem commenting about every disclosure, every controversy around the documents seized at Mar-a-Lago. They put up multiple statements, but they seem to have lost their lip or their voice because they won't comment about anything about Joe Biden. How does that happen? How does the National Archives blab all the time about Donald Trump and don't want to talk anything about Joe Biden when there are very similar circumstances and similar questions involved? It's very simple. You had the last institution um, in the United States government become politicized. That is our library. That's what the National Archives is. It's supposed to be our library for the American people for historical documentation. And these people are supposed to have no politics surrounding anything because they're supposed to collect papers and store them. And now we're supposed to believe that the NARA, the librarians at the archives, are the ones that instigated this investigation in November of 2022. I don't buy that for one second. I think this, these oversight committees have a lot of work to do to get the documentation from the FBI and DOJ to, say, to show the American public when this investigation actually started. And I think it's been about a year in the making. And we have to get our oversight committees to do the work that this FBI and DOJ won't do. And then we have to ask this DOJ and FBI why it lied to the American public tried to cover up a sitting commander-in-chief's felony activity alongside of his sons and lay bare our national security apparatus for our enemies to pick apart. We have further destroyed and weaponized our intelligence apparatus and law enforcement apparatus, and the FBI and DOJ need to answer why. It is pretty remarkable, the silence that these institutions have given, the excuse-making, the media, maybe a little more open to covering this because it is a clear boomerang against Joe Biden, but still trying to suggest that Joe Biden doesn't have the same liabilities as Donald Trump. It's actually the other way around when you look at the law. Donald Trump had the right to declassify documents and did so, and Joe Biden couldn't declassify anything unless he himself personally classified it, so he had a very narrow power to declassify Clearly, some of these documents would not fall in that category. I want to ask about one guy that was hanging around Hunter Biden in the 17 time frame, right after these documents allegedly walked out of the Obama administration, if you believe the Biden timeline. A guy named Patrick Ho. He was involved in the CEFC China deal, the one, the 10% for the big guy that Tony Bobolinsky talks about. In late 2017, he's arrested. He's indicted by the Trump administration Justice Department, and he's accused of making bribery payments to try to bribe China's way into African energy deals. So he's doing this while he's working with Hunter Biden. But later, as the case goes on, there's a court filing that says, hey, in addition to what he was doing in Africa, Patrick Ho was also involved in trying to help Iran enlist China and other countries to evade the sanctions that Donald Trump had restored against Iran. A man working with Hunter Biden, trying to help one of our most mortal enemies, Iran, evade sanctions. And it just turns out that one of the documents, at least according to the reporting, that's in Joe Biden's possession unlawfully at an insecure location, is an Iran intelligence report. How concerning is that when you look at it as a former national security prosecutor, former chief investigative counsel for House Intel? Yeah, I mean, look, if that reporting's true, it's one of the most damning indictments of recklessness by a commander-in-chief in modern history. I mean, we're talking about Iran, this, the world's largest state sponsor of terror. 
Their IRGC is responsible for more civilian casualties to American service members than any one group on planet Earth in history. And our sitting commander-in-chief, when he was vice president, decided to take extremely sensitive intelligence classified documentation because his son was involved in dealings uh, with these guys in the CCP. It doesn't add up, John. It really just doesn't make sense as to why anyone would take this documentation except to cover something up, which is extremely problematic. And we now know that even the Democrats see this as a problem, which is why I remind everyone, Joe Biden is not the target. It's the administrative state, the DOJ and the FBI and the IC. We can now use this finally to educate the rest of the American public who thought Russiagate was a conspiracy that the full weaponization of our law enforcement apparatus has been complete, but it can be undone by the Republican leadership in Congress with these new oversight committees. So I hope we use this entire case to do just that. Yeah, that's an important piece of guidance here. There's no doubt about it. It's the big window into what we've been deprived of investigating for much of the last two years, at least certainly in official capacities. The FBI and Justice Department, we now know, have been investigating Hunter Biden for four and a half years, right? The investigation opens in 2018. It's 2023. Can you imagine any reason that it would take so long for the U.S. Attorney in Delaware to make a decision on something that's sitting out and open, right? The laptop clearly shows Hunter Biden knew he wasn't paying his taxes. He was being warned by his own people. Why so long a delay in making a decision one way or the other? Because they politicized it. Instead of following the facts and the law and just making a decision and going forward, they've allowed politics to come into play in election cycles, and they've been corrupted by either the radical left media, members of Congress, or other government officials who are helping them politicize it because they want to sway an election one way or the other. And that's no clear example of that exists in modern history than Hunter Biden's laptop. And now we know they did it with President Biden's investigation on the classified documents because they, they withheld and suppressed that. Look, there's no way the U.S. attorney in Delaware who's investigating Hunter Biden did not know about these classified documents. I think that's where this investigation sprung from. They had material on the laptop that led them to investigate some of these properties, and they found this documentation and were aware of it a long time ago. Why they didn't tell the world, and most importantly, the American public, is something that those uh, U.S. attorneys in Delaware are going to have to answer to Congress. And it's just another matter that this oversight committee has to go ahead and subpoena them immediately in all their underlying documents and ask them the question you just posed to me. Why the delay? Or why haven't you made a prosecution decision? And it's going, we're going to find out that it's because people influence them and ask them to hold because of elections. And that's the ultimate politicization of our DOJ. Ugh, it's so scary, especially after all we've already learned about Russia collusion, which you are such an important role. We haven't had the chance to talk to you since this uh, gem of a revelation came out last week. We certainly got a chance to talk to you about the Justice Department going and getting your private emails and messages while you were investigating them as Evan Nunez's chief investigator. But last week we got to see Adam Schiff and Diane Feinstein and Dick Blumenthal all pressure Twitter to try to censor or manipulate the truth about a report you and Devin Nunes put together in 2018, which, by the way, has been 100% validated by the factual releases of information. They tried to claim it was a Russian bot operation 
Should there be more penalty? I know Schiff has been kicked off the Intelligence Committee by McCarthy. I'm sure that's a nice start for some people. But when a lawmaker uses their official color of office, the power of their office, to get a big tech company to do something that was clearly, I mean, even Twitter was laughing at it, calling them congressional trolls. But should there be a greater punishment? Should there be a vote of censure? Should there be something more for Adam Schiff, Dianne Feinstein, and Dick Blumenthal, a guy who, by the way, had a lot of problem with his own truth about the Vietnam War record? Should there be more punishment? Because they really were using the power of their office to create a falsehood in a big tech company. There should be far greater punishment because they were supposed to be representing the American people and, the, and their representatives' constituents, and they were representing themselves and their egos. And they lied to the American people about it. And there should be a greater punishment in the halls of Congress for that. And it needs to happen on the well of the House floor. And it needs to be more than just a, a, a censorship. We, we need to be talking about suspensions and complete barring these individuals from all committees and um, other such matters. And look, since the Republicans have the majority in the House, they can do that with Adam Schiff. Um, you know, the Democrats have the House control in the Senate, so it's a little tougher there. But I think Adam Schiff, uh, there's been no single greater purveyor of disinformation, misinformation, and lies. Um, and there's been no greater um, uh, assistant uh, to the deep state to advance the weaponization of the DOJ, FBI, and IC than Adam Schiff. So there needs to be a call. And here's the other thing. These oversight committees can subpoena Adam Schiff. So that's a start. Go ahead and subpoena his record, his phone calls, his emails, and then make him testify before the American public and ask him the questions we're talking about today and all the others that he needs to answer. So he is never, ever able to hold public office again as he makes his decisions on the future. The American public should have all that information um, for them. Yeah, that's such an important point to make. Last question, because we've been doing some digging here at Justin News. We're going to have a story in the next day or so. We have found an extraordinary evolution of people from the United States intelligence community going over to big tech, oftentimes in the Google, Twitter, Facebook, quality assurance departments, which are the censorship departments or what became the censorship departments. They weren't supposed to be that, but that's what they became. We're talking scores of people. And when you dig into who they are and you start looking at their personal tweets, you see an extraordinary bias, very much like the Pete Strzok, Lisa Page bias in the text messages, anti-conservative, anti-populist, anti-MAGA, anti-Trump, the revolving doors. That's something that Congress may need to look at. Should there be some slowing down or ban on Intelligence Committee people being able to land right in big tech or in big debt positions where censorship is a possibility? Yeah. And I think what needs to happen is with one of the ideas President Trump put forth is a total ban from ever serving in these big tech censorship operation companies or just big tech period for a period of years after serving in an administration, be it the FBI, DOJ, CIA, and what have you, because all of these people are b basically providing the Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitter golden parachutes for these people who are biased when they were operating as law enforcement or intelligence operators in the United States government. And then they go out and partner with the people that they were giving the private contracts to to get paid even more money to continue the work that they were doing, which was defeating the purpose of law enforcement. So I think there needs to be a call for an investigation and a subpoena of all these people who took these jobs over there. And then let's say, let's look at who they partnered with back in government, their former cronies to uh, censor free speech and to take down 
true and accurate reporting just to sway uh, either a presidential election or a congressional election. I think there needs to be a major investigation into it, but I also think there needs to be an outright ban from people in government going to get their paydays to continue the biased weaponization of the law enforcement intelligence community. That has to happen. And I haven't heard anyone other than Donald Trump talk about having that sort of um, uh, suspension uh, play out. And the revolving door is so real. And it basically creates a scenario where an FBI request or a CIA request or an NSA request finds a receptive party because one of their colleagues who just left their office is the recipient now at the big tech company. They got both sides of the equation or the transaction wired now. And that's why no one seemed to raise a, a hand saying, hey, are we supposed to be censoring Americans' opinion? They all were Kool-Aid drinkers. And it's really, really remarkable about that. Last question I want to posit to you, because we had on our show recently a couple of former FBI executives who gave the exact same analysis of how the FBI became politicized. And what they said is, starting at the end of the Mueller a little bit, but really accelerating under Comey and Ray, was a movement away from promoting people from inside the FBI, where they learned their trade from the academy all the way up through on the street and being sacks, to taking political ideological lawyers from the Justice Department and putting them into the top ranks of the FBI. And, and these former senior executives who went the old fashioned way through the FBI, they earned their way up by being good law enforcement, said that getting politicos and ideologues from the Justice Department has completely corrupted the radar, the compass of the FBI, because they don't care about law and order or crimes or rules. They care about political outcomes. You've had a lot of tussles and a lot of insight to the FBI and your great work that you've done. Does their assessment seem right to you? Uh, it seems very, uh, very spot on. Because you know, we had a we had a joke in government, and uh, it's it's sad that it's become a reality. But if you wanted a promotion, just screw up. And the bigger you screwed up and violated your oath of office, the bigger the deep state actors would give you a promotion, or as these government gangsters as I call them. So that assessment is accurate, and we need to wipe it out in every single agency and department. And um, actually, that's pretty much why I wrote Government Gangsters, John. Um, it, it, it not just calls out the deep state in every agency and department for things like this, these abuses, these violations of the laws of overreach, but you, it shows how you and I and others have worked together in the past to provide a solution. And that solution in this instance, specifically for the FBI, is you have to wipe out the, these personnel that are making these decisions and allowing the crony crony partisan um, team party play there to, to advance within the ranks of the FBI. If you can shut it down, you can restore the agents to the field level work they should be doing, um, but you got to bring their leadership to bear. And it starts with Chris Ray, who's currently uh, tap dancing on a government jet on his way to Davos to talk about God knows what with uh, with all the other deep state actors over there instead of taking on crime in America, instead of taking on the CCP's dumping of fentanyl into our communities to kill our children and our youth. Our number one law enforcement officer cares more about um, skiing in Switzerland. So it starts with personnel and hopefully everybody goes to governmentgangsters.com and picks up a copy of this book. It's on pre-sale. 
And maybe this government will finally release my manuscript, John. We're fighting them tooth and nail, but uh, they're still holding it hostage for right now. Unbelievable. Another form of censorship or certainly ability to slow down the truth from getting to the American public. You also have two books out there, The Plot to Kill the King 1 and 2. Uh, for They're great gifts for moms, dads, and grandparents to give to children. What's the best way for people to get those books out to their kids and educate a whole new generation? Yeah, we made it super easy. You can get all the books, the Plot Against the King series and the Government Gangsters books, all at governmentgangsters.com or plotagainstthekeng.com. Either one will take you to all. And I think all the books are, are, are doing great on pre-sale and the, the kids' books are already number one bestsellers. And I can't thank everybody enough for their support. And uh, we've got a long way to go. we got to educate people on Russiagate, on election integrity, and Government Gangsters is going to bring it all to full bear um, and I can't wait to come on your show, John, soon and say it's finally out for actual release. But go to governmentgangsters.com. I'm signing books, um, and we're having some fun. Yeah, that's a must, folks. Go read it. You know how much Cash brings to every effort he puts his mind to. He's such a great investigator, great prosecutor, great national security expert. This book is going to be a must read. And of course, you can also back his great effort with Fight with Cash because that is helping people sue when there is a need to find justice in the system. Fight with Cash is still alive and well, isn't it, Cash? It is. Fight with Cash gave out almost $100,000 in grants last year. I appreciate you highlighting it, John. We gave out $30,000 in holiday meals and paid active duty service members legal be legal bills and bringing defamation cases for people. So go to fightwithcash.com, get some merch. It all goes right back to the kitty. Um, nobody uh, takes any salary there. And um, you can get all the details on the books there too at fightwithcash.com. Check us out. I think you'll have a lot of fun. I think Donald Trump has even started uh, saying how much he likes the uh, Fight With Cash line of merchandise. <laughs> Who knew? Look at that. Yeah. Who would have thought? That's pretty awesome. Well, you're doing such important stuff, and we know how busy you are, but it's always an honor to have you on the show. We learn so much, and we get some great insights. And government gangsters, folks, get your your early copy reserved now. It's going to be the blockbuster of 2023. I know I'm going to be reading it with great excitement and, and covering it as a journalist, so go check it out today. Cash, great to have you on. We'll be sure to be checking in with you. A lot of big developments on the imminent horizon, so we'll we'll have you back real soon. Thanks so much, John. Have a great day. Great to talk to you, my friend. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So glad to join you today. A big thank you to our three guests, Cash Patel, who lit it up at the end of the show, Joe Gamaldi, who started us off with a very important reminder why it's important to be supportive of the men and women in blue, particularly in such a violent year where so many officers were ambushed because of the evil rhetoric that some are spreading around there. Keep an eye on that Georgia situation we talked about there. We'll have you covered at Just the News. And also, a great update on Andy Mangione. One of the things I love about Andy Mangione, he reminds me that sometimes we all get this feeling that we're too small to matter, that Washington is too big, too crushing a power for us to make a difference. And when you hear what AMAC did, all of those phone calls, all of those messages, all the pressure on Disney, on the Colorado legislature, on the Indiana legislature, on the Congress, you realize it. Everyday Americans like you and me, we can make a difference. That's what AMAC does, and that's why we love having them on once a week and having them as a strategic partner. Remember, if you want to go check out an AMAC membership, join the team like I did, five-year membership, 
All you got to go is to amac.us slash justnews, amac.us slash justnews. Get enrolled. You're going to get a membership card. It's going to save you money on all sorts of services and travel offers. You'll be able to get exclusive insurances through them. And then you'll get all of that great political intelligence. If you liked what Andy Mangione said today, you can get it seven days a week by becoming an AMAC member. Go to amac.us slash justnews right now to get that done. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. We have you covered with breaking news over there at justinnews.com. Go check it out. Some big investigative pieces tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow also with a great show. I think we've got former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, former presidential candidate. He is always a delight to talk to. And then we're going to introduce you to a new guest. He is the founder of the Restoration of America PAC. It is having a profound role, including right now in the RNC race that pits Harmeet Dillon against Ronald McDaniel. Doug Truax, the founder of Restoration of America, doing some really important stuff in the political and policy space. If you haven't heard of ROA, Restoration of America, very important conservative group and PAC, you're going to learn all about it tomorrow with Doug Truax. So we got a great show tomorrow. Be sure to tune in on Friday. We're not going to jip you. It's going to be a great show. Until then, God bless you. Have a great night. God bless this incredible country, the United States of America, as he always has. Yep, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News, and I thank you for doing so. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.